0: You're listening to Family Feud, part of the Paris-style podcast family.
1: They might not be brother and sister, but they sure do fight like they are. Here's your hosts, Keely Orr and Shotgun Spratling.
2: Welcome to another episode of the Family Feud podcast. I'm your host, Keely Orr, joined by Shotgun Spratling and cousin of the pod, Chris Torino. We're back in the studio. Why not? It was nice last time, so we're back. Like I said on Tunnel Vision, people ask sometimes, you know, what do you talk about in the off season? Well, with USC, the news never stops. So we have a lot to get to today. Even though we had two podcasts last week, we still have to update in this week's pod. Of course, because the news never stops.
0: Yeah, it felt like after we did a quick take, uh, you know, within three days, everything had changed once again. It's like just things completely getting flipped over and over. Uh, that's the, the USC offseason, though. You know, especially early in the year, you have a lot of, you have recruiting, you have coaching changes, and we've got a little bit of all that stuff. Well done. I just want to throw the first visual bit of quick take. Yeah, for that, that, for that, that was
2: not a quick take.
0: Air quotes. That you whoa, whoa, whoa. It was a quick take besides what I had to say
1: about Larry Scott.
2: The whole pod was about Larry Scott. Well, I had a lot to say about Larry Scott.
1: <laughs> Did we talk about anything besides Larry Scott?
2: <laughs> we had a little bit up in, end, but... Yeah, that was quick
1: he's got a point technically the truth no technically the truth
2: okay now we already know who or who are you we already know i'm cousin of the pod chris trevino
1: (laughs) get it together
2: i was about to say we already know who chris is siding with this pod since he flips every episode
1: i'm feeling it out i can throw you one okay i threw him one to start off we'll see how it goes
2: okay just wondering as a reminder you guys can send us your questions or submissions to the pod at family feud Pod at gmail.com. I think Ryan also put it out there that you can put it at the parasite pod as well. You can do that. We'll filter it through. Also, keep a lookout for a random tweet, usually on Thursdays, from Mr. Shotgun Spratling. You can get your questions in there. And speaking of questions, we have some to answer this week, gentlemen. So we'll get to that uh, later in the pod. But first off, let's start with the news. I think I'm going to go chronologically since we last podcasted. Friday, uh, reports came out that John David Baker, USC's tight end coach, is moving on to Ole Miss. I guess, shotgun, first off, what were your first takes from that development?
0: Uh, you know, that has been now been confirmed by Ole Miss that he is being hired as their tight ends coach. It shows you the power of recruiting. USC's tight ends have not done anything in multiple years. So it's not about on-field production there. It's about he went out, he went to Florida and got the commitment of Michael Trick. He went to Texas and got the recruitment of Lake McCree, even with USC not producing at that position which shows you a lot about what he can do. And I'm sure those Ole Miss coaches had been running into him on the recruiting trail. I'm like, why is this guy always here? You know, How is he getting these guys? How is he getting a guy like Michael Trigg? That's a guy we wanted uh, type of thing. And then you go, you start digging into it a little bit deeper. You have an opening. You go, let's fill it with that guy. You know, we can see what he can do there. And with our talent at this position, we think that, you know, he'll produce more. I think that that the tight ends will definitely produce better at Ole Miss than they did at USC this year because I think they're actually going to throw the tight ends more. They're an actual element of the offense. They try to exploit more than, you know, they did with Eric Cromenhook this season. So we'll see how his career continues to develop. Um, And, you know, Graham Harrell talked with uh, Ryan Abraham this week about you know, losing a brother, basically, you know, John David Baker, he considers like a brother to him. Uh, you know, they've grown up together, uh, Texas guys, but through their coaching career, they've been together. He said, you know, sometimes those situations are more than just, you, you know, what you're doing on the field. It's about the rest of the family too. And, you know, does his family want to be closer to Texas and, and be at Ole Miss? So I think all those kind of factors went into it for USC. They lose an, an offensive recruiter. So, do you replace that with an offensive recruiter? Do you, you know, what do you try to fill in that position? Do you go for an inside receivers coach? There's some different ways they can try to attack this. We've seen them do a little, you know, uh, try to do something, um, but
2: we'll get into that.
0: Okay, um, but you know, what exactly are they going to do now that fell through?
1: It appears. And just throw on top of that, he also, in addition to coaching the Om- Ole Miss Titans, will be their passing game coordinator. So just a little bit bump up in his title and responsibility. So the always, always good to get an extra little title. Still waiting for my official title on this <laughs> podcast. I hope <laughs> wow. it's 2020 is my year, not 2021 is my year. Just, <laughs> just throwing it out there, just throwing it out there. Um, But yeah, I over here with his fingers crossed up in the air. Another visual bit. Visual bits. I'm two for two early. But yeah, I think it's significant just because JDB in his first year, you know, he was one of the 30 under 30 coaches for our 24/7 Sports uh, top list that comes out every year. A little plug there for the for the network. Um, And it seemed like he was really emerging as a recruiter, as you had said. And I think there's an argument that he might have been USC's best recruiter on the offensive side of the ball, considering he went into Florida. And considering he went into Florida and pulled out a pretty national prospect away from the big boys in the SEC, beat out Florida, South Carolina, uh, Alabama had offered him, Auburn, all those guys wanted him. So that was significant to get a guy across the country. And that's kind of what you want USC recruiting, pulling guys out of out of different parts of the country, not just their own backyard of California. So I think there's an argument there that he was emerging there on the offensive side of the ball, which is not as strong, obviously, as a defensive side of the ball.
0: Yeah, you definitely can make the argument. You could also look at quarterbacks, though. I mean, when you bring getting Jackson Dart at the end, I think it's really big for them. Um, who's the lead recruiter there? Is it just Graham Harrell? That's hard to say, but he was definitely one of the top two, if, if not the top one. Um, so I, I think you know, other schools paid attention, and for him, this is an opportunity to go to the SEC, uh, and like I said, you know, where they're going to use the tight end a little bit more. So if he is the tight end's coach, and being the passing and coordinator, that's a bump in title but also in pay. So, you, you know, I think it's a great opportunity for him to continue his career, even if it's not with Graham Harrell, you know, a guy that, you know, he really respects and, you know, like I said, that they consider each other kind of brothers. So uh, we'll see how his career continues to progress. You never know these situations. It could be, you know, if Graham Harrell's still at USC in a few years, that's the type of thing where you're, you see someone go away and, hey, they're doing really well, you bring them back in as, you know, in a, in a different role or something. So uh, we'll see how his career progresses. You know, he's a was always a good guy to talk to and stuff. So the tight ends... Position at USC. What's the future for it? That's
1: kind of a, that's a question that won't be answered until we see who they actually hire. I feel like JDB has OC potential down the line, and I feel like him and Harrell will be reunited at some point.
2: Interesting. How much does learning from Lane Kiffin help in that journey as well?
1: I think it's going to be really
0: fun for him. Um, it's challenging to work with Lane Kiffin, you know, having talked with, with some coaches and stuff that work with him. But he has a great offensive mind, so I think he's going to go and learn a lot of stuff. So I think it's really could be really big for his career to be able to be in that same room with Lane Kiffin and see what he's trying to do uh, offensively, because Lane Kiffin's still calling the plays and stuff at Ole Miss. So I, I think it's going to be you know a big step for his development. I think it's a really good move for him to to, to make it right now in his career.
2: As Shotgun alluded to, USC was already on the move, trying to replace JDB. Something that came out this week was uh, USC was in contact with ASU wide receivers coach Prentice Gill. If that sounds familiar, he was on USC support staff a couple of years ago. Uh, So USC is familiar with him to a certain extent. Uh, They know that he's good on the recruiting trail. It was interesting for me because something we had talked about once JDB left was, okay, where does USC go with replacing him? Do you go with an inside receivers coach, kind of go more air-ready in that sense, or do you stick with a tight ends coach? I was able to gather that they're going straight with a tight ends coach. Uh, That's at least what they were trying to do with Prentice Gill when they were trying to pitch him the job. And I think that's ultimately what kind of dissuaded him. I think he really wanted to stay and get a full season as a wide receivers coach in his own room uh, at ASU because the only time he really had was that pandemic season. So... Ultimately, USC misses out. ASU keeps Prentice Gill. What were your guys' thoughts about this whole development this week?
1: I thought it was interesting just because the Baker stuff moved so quickly. It kind of came out like, oh, looks like he's going to Ole Miss. Oh, he's at Ole Miss. And then I heard—I had heard the name Prentice Gill come up almost immediately after the JDB stuff had become official, so I was I was kind of surprised to see how USC was very aggressive and kind of moving forward with this name, a name in the Pac-12, an emerging guy. So I thought, unlike the uh, you know the offensive line search that took a little bit more time, it seemed like USC was moving quite quicker to fill this position.
0: You know, I think they had a guy in mind, and you know the familiarity there definitely helps. And this is what you want: you want your support staff to leave see them make their mark and then that's when you say hire them back rather than trying to you know bump your support staff up to a position coach let them go and you know see if they can prove themselves as an actual position coach. Prentice Gill, obviously, you know they they felt that he had done that, and obviously his marks as a recruiter were something that USC was really interested in trying to replace JDB on the offensive side. And just like we talked about, how he was one of the top offensive recruiters. So I think they're it's interesting. You know what I kind of take away from it is they're looking for another recruiter at that position. And Keeley, you talk about how they're looking more for tight end, but. Do we really know what the description is as far as tight end versus inside receivers, coach, if it's a combined effort? Because we haven't seen them practice. You know, we haven't seen them practice at all in the last year. So we didn't see what JDB's, you know, what exactly he was doing out there. Was he working with some of those inside receivers at the same time? Is it just the tight ends? There's some different things there, which kind of, you know, because we haven't seen it and haven't seen it with our own eyes, I, I'm not going to buy in that it's complete just tight ends. And you're you're wanting to have a guy work with them on the blocking side of it and different things. So I think that it's more important to have that, you know, recruiting position for them is what it seems like. And maybe they pass off the tight ends to the offensive line coach when they're doing blocking drills or how we don't know the the breakdown of responsibilities.
2: I think... To your point, like on the field, it can be more fluid, you know. But I think, mm-hmm. as far as title and like you have your own room, you have your own guys, you have to sell someone in that sense. So that's, I think, where they're going with it. But as far as what they actually do on the field, I think obviously that's going to be flexible.
0: Yeah. And I think the title is also partially about recruiting. You know, if you're, tra- it's easier to recruit receivers and inside receivers. With a receivers quote unquote receivers coach rather than having an inside receivers coach, you can still sell Gary Bryant, uh, you know, coming in. You can still sell Amon Ross St. Brown, without having an inside receivers coach to really. But are you really going to sell tight ends if there's no tight ends coach? Yeah. You know, if you say, oh, we have an inside receivers coach, you might sell the the jumbo athlete who you think is a guy that you split out and is the Drake London, but a guy that's going to need to come in and actually block and be you know, be using use them as an H back as well. Are you going to be able to sell that guy? No, I think you're going to need to. You're going to need to be able to bring them in as a. You know, you're going to have, a, have to have a tight ends coach to actually bring them in. So I think the title there is important to recruiting as well.
1: Even if you know, we there's some debate about whether what the position would look like or how the tight ends would be used inside receiver, blocking, what all that. I think it would still would have been a very good hire just from the recruiting standpoint, just because um, he does have local ties. He has done well as a recruiter at ASU. Some of the guys that he's helped sign either as a primary or a secondary include LV Bunkley Shelton, four-star wide receiver, four-star Johnny Wilson, uh, four-star cornerback Isaiah Johnson, the transfer from West Virginia that came out here, and the four-star athlete Elijah Badger. So he's had a, a nice little resume of recruits coming in, So, and I think he instantly would have become, as we were just talking about JDB as an emerging recruiter, I think he'd probably be number one recruiter on the offensive side of the ball if you had brought him in
0: he also was at Oregon you know yep. you know he's worked with Dante before in the recruiting room and stuff so you know he was there as a sports staffer gets his first opportunity at ASU not going to happen for USC though so we'll see where they go from here and also the big miss out on this is that you lose your connection to TDE the uh the record label that Kendrick Lamar is on because <laughs> Prentice's brother uh, Reason is a rapper on that label so you know my chances are running into Kendrick Lamar at a practice and declined there.
1: Didn't you have a story where you saw him at a bar? I did see him at a restaurant, yes.
2: How do we always... There's like seven degrees of Kevin Bacon. Like, you can wrap this back to you somehow in every podcast. It's
0: it's because I'm very egocentric, Keely. Have you
2: not learned this yet? (laughs) Oh, I know. More
1: like bacon wrapped.
2: (laughs) To your point earlier, Chris, it sounded like USC was expecting JDB. The time between it breaking... In USC knowing, I think, it was longer. So the aggressiveness, I think, is because there was time. But also, it sounds like they know who they want and like a, a range of who they want. So I'm curious where they go because I heard Seth Doge was a guy that you can't count out. Apparently, he's a guy who is, is a good glue guy on the offensive staff and helps out Graham Harrell. So I would have to assume he's still a candidate. But as far as other guys, I'm, I'm curious who they're going to go for.
1: The world needs glue guys. I'm a classic glue guy. Put me on the basketball court, I'm doing all the dirty work. All the dirty work.
0: With, with those, you know, it'd be, you basically would be following the blueprint that you had with JDB last year. Yeah. So that would not be unexpected, or excuse me, that would not be surprising just because you've seen him do it last year. He's a guy that Graham Harrell trusts. Uh, you know, does he have a background as a tight ends coach per se? No, but he knows the offense really well, and that's kind of what they took with, with JDB. So I, I think that that was kind of one of the the names that popped in my head immediately. You know, if you don't go outside, then that's a guy I think that probably slots up.
1: And just to throw a name out there, someone already on the staff, Lenny Vandermaid.
0: former tight ends. Yeah, right? he feels
1: like he's been there forever, and he's on the staff currently as offensive quality control and As you said, he was a tight ends coach at one point.
0: Yeah, he's been around USC for a while. This is his ninth year on USC's coaching support staff. Um, you know, he, he was promoted to tight ends coach midway through the 2015 season, according to his bio. But he's he's the guy that's you know as an, an assistant with the tight ends. He's the guy that works with the blocking. He was a former offensive lineman at USC, so that's where you know he comes in. So if you're looking for a guy to to work on the blocking more, but I think again, you know, if you're going to put a person on the full time staff, it's gonna they need to be a recruiter. Where where they've struggled on the offensive side compared to the defensive side the last year or so they need another guy who's going to be out there recruiting so as Vayner made that guy that's the, that'll be the question for him.
1: Seems to have it seems that he has a little bit of recruiting chops. I've talked to some prospects that have dropped Lenny V's name out there so we'll see. I think he has that ability. He's definitely involved in it. So
0: yeah, similar to how you hear offensive linemen talk about Vianney in the yep. past, yep. Uh, you know, same, similar with with that position with Lenny.
2: Maybe this is just the petty side of me, but I kind of liked watching the internet beef between the ASU and USC staffs on Twitter. It's a little immature, but I kind of like it. (laughs) (laughs) Not sure. Chris, I feel like you're messy and you like the drama. Where do you weigh in on this? I'm here
1: twirling my mustache as a visual bit. I'm famously cousin to the pod, but also the messiest of the pod. I'm always down for pettiness and... Uh, subtweeting and back and forth, no cap, uh, all these tweets going back and forth. I'm all down for the rivalry for these two programs, which has escalated with the whole recruiting stuff. So personnel wars, poaching uh, each other's uh, support staff and members. I'm all for it. I'm stock up, stock up on it. Well done. Which is
0: a second school that USC is now kind of having some some internet beef with, along with Oregon. True. You probably throw UCLA in there as well. True. So USC staff is is gotten a little petty at times uh, with, with some of the stuff that they've tweeted. When you say "Take Back the West" and you you know you're saying stuff like that, then you're going to draw attention. Um, so it's not just USC being the blue blood and, and being silent about it. They're trying to be vocal and trying to you know I think it's it's an attempt to. Bring in recruits too. That's something recruits, you know, they like to see their coaches being feisty uh, in a public space. So, you know, USC and ASU going back and forth is kind of kind of fun and interesting, especially with the personalities because you know they know each other. Yeah. And you know, some for some fans, they may see it and you may see Prentice or Gavin go back and forth, and they're like, oh my gosh, this beef. They're friends. Yeah. And so it's a friendly, you know, it's fun for them. But, you know, just appearances from the outside, if you don't know the relationships, might appear to be, uh, you know, more snarky than it actually is.
2: Michael Hutchings and Chris Claiborne both interviewed for the ASU linebacker job. This is just what happens when you have a good support staff. And I feel like people were a little dramatic about it. Because if USC had promoted a support staff guy, you know the takes would have been, why are you promoting a guy who's never been a position coach before? You know? So to me, I was like, this is just, this is part of the system. This is what happens.
0: Yeah, it is. But it's a little bit the reason why I think USC fans, you know, they would probably have a different take is because Chris Claiborne wore the number 55. He's a guy at USC, he's a legend as a linebacker. So, you know, they would give him more. It's the same thing when. Uh, You know, the coaching search comes up and suddenly Jeff Fisher's name is thrown out and all these former USC players are thrown out. And you're like, why? What? You know, what's on the resume that tells you they're going to be a good coach? Well, they played at USC and they're really good as a player. Jack Del Rio needs to be the next head coach at USC. Well, is he good at coaching college? Do we know that? No, we don't. Uh, but you know fans want to throw out because they've seen this guy on the field and they, you know they feel a connection to that player so I think with Chris Claiborne that's part of it is you know they've seen Chris Claiborne on the field uh, so they've rooted for him in the past so they think oh he's I can root for him again he's going to be a good position coach versus a guy like JDB or or Doge where you don't have that connection as a USC fan to them as a support staff member so if they get bumped up you're like I, I don't know this person why would USC bump up a support staff I think the connection is what changes the opinion there on that position but this is like I said this is what you want you want your support staff to be rated because that means you're doing really well look at Nick Saban staffs they get you know rated every single year and he just replaces them so can USC replace their support staff but then you want to see them go and you know especially because they're USC alums if you're a USC fan you want to see them do well except when they play USC I'm sure and you you want to then say hey they proved themselves over two or three years when we have an opening, let's bring that guy back. He's proven it. He's a USC. And then then he becomes, you know, you can become a USC coaching legend at the same time. So USC, you know, ASU has taken multiple former USC support staff members. Now with Chris Hawkins, Prentice Gill, and uh, Chris Claiborne, Antonio Pierce was an, was an offensive, um, was excuse me, was a high school coach out here in Los Angeles. So it's kind of like a, you know, they're learning on the job there, which is what you – you want to then raid those staffs once those coaches become, you know, prove themselves. You don't want coaches learning on the fly, you know, when you're the blue blood program. And that's how these things are supposed to work. So, you know, it proves that USC support staff is doing some good if ASU is coming in to try to raid them uh, continually.
1: I'm having a little amnesia, guys. Um, what were the, the two support staff people that ASU poached from USC staff? Chris Hawkins and the other one? Chris um, Claiborne. Chris yeah, that's, Chris? that's two Chris's. Mm-hmm. And what I'm saying right now is Chris's are in high f- demand. <laughs> can't and if, drop an F-bomb. Then bleep it out. <laughs> I, I, use, I use it because I'm trying to make my point. If you two don't promote me to official, someone's going to snatch up.
2: Are you going to go to Sun Devil Source?
1: This little Chris booty. And I'm going to be on another podcast. Maybe ASU. Maybe ASU. Maybe Washington. Who knows? I'm just letting you know, Chris is...
2: Why Washington?
1: I just picked a state <laughs> in the Pac-12. Okay. Why are you stepping all over my moment? I'm sorry. Let me dust off these footprints on me for stepping on me. So you guys got a decision to make. I'm just letting you know. Okay. This is, this is my, my warning. He does not look happy. I regret this immediately. <laughs> Let's move on.
2: You can't, you can't bluff in negotiations, Chris.
1: No, I'm not bluffing.
2: You just backed out?
1: (laughs) No. (laughs) I said what I needed to say, and then I came back now. Moving on. Damn.
2: (laughs) No, I completely understand why fans would be heartbroken about Chris Claiborne, you know, only kiss winner for the school, but I'm just saying, the whole mantra of don't know the fight song, don't promote people for the first time, like, USC's not a a place where you learn on the job, quote-unquote, that's why I'm like, come on, you guys have standards, but then, uh, there, you know, just a little bit. That's that's my only little gripe.
0: Yeah, but Carson Palmer wanted to come in and be the QB's coach. They'd be all over it.
2: I know. It's fair. Okay, sure.
0: Same with Matt Leinert. Fans like, what are a, fans. That's what does what Matt Leonard coach? Nothing. But, you know, he won a Heisman at USC, so we would want him to be the QB's coach. That's a fan's perspective. So you kind of got to expect it a little bit just because there's already that connection. There's already the love affair with the player. So they want to see them do well, and they want to see them do well for their school rather than for an opposing school in the Pac-12 South. That's fair.
2: Moving on to other news that's happened since our Quick Take podcast, USC picking up five-star 2020 quarterback Damani Jackson. and so I got your thoughts about this on Tunnel Vision show. Chris Trevino, what do you think USC is getting in Demani?
1: It's a monumental grab uh, for this program in the 2022 class. You get probably your biggest uh, target in that class in early. You still have to hold on to him of course but it's so much easier when he's already on board that's the power of the Dante Williams effect and what you're getting is a down the line if developed property if if properly if everything goes to plan that's a first one first round level defensive cornerback prospect he's big he's fast he obviously has stuff to clean up he can be a little grabby he can uh, aggressive at times um but but it's a home run get this is the type of guy you need to keep home and one of the things I talked about on, on Tunnel
0: Vision is that he wants to be in the class early so that he can be a recruiter. And I think that's really big also for the defensive backs that he's going to be recruiting because you're talking about guys like Will Johnson at in Michigan, another five-star guy. If you can bring two five-star cornerbacks in at the same time, Ooh, that's a you know, that's a, a nice pipeline to have down the down the stretch. You know, you could have those guys be starters for two, three, four years together potentially. So um, I think that having him in early and being a local guy, he's gonna help recruit the local talent. But also being a nationally known guy and a guy that's gonna be at all the events, if the events do start happening more and more, the Under Armour and Nike and all those type of events, he's gonna be a guy that guys are gonna gravitate towards. They wanna play with the best. So he's gonna be able to tell them about USC from the initial you know at the opening at the regionals any of those type things that he attends so i think it's really big for usc in a variety of ways just because he is a local big time talent and he's in early so now he can help recruit
1: the class as well yeah if you throw damani's name around with local guys they know who that is he's Mm -hmm. connected everywhere to 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 put it like you just said he's going all over the country with you know ground zero and his team he's getting invited to all these combines he's getting in the room if I will with these other big name recruits across the country and he's got that sway of you know USC and it has it helps that USC just had a really good class too so the trend is up that's so much easier for him to sell given his status given his name and then given that he's you know, backed by a really strong recruiter in Dante Williams. And you get a lot of momentum
0: from it, and maybe if USC was coming off a better year last year, then maybe you see that early with Corey Foreman. You get him in early, and it's the same type of situation, and then you're recruiting guys like Mason Smith a lot harder. You know, They talked about early about, hey, we want to play together, but when Corey Foreman makes a commitment to Clemson and then backs away and he's connected with George and he's connected with LSU, and you know, you're not going to be able to build that momentum like you may be able to do with Damani particularly at his position with a guy like Will Johnson and the rest of the defensive backs talking about hey I want to come in I want to play and when you have Dante there, the relationships he's able to build, I think that you know you could build another really really successful defensive back class back to back years you know you could really stock you know stock the shelves uh, for the next couple of years in, in two classes.
1: And if we're talking about specifics, I know I think someone asked about running backs, but he has teammates with Ground Zero and Modern day with five star running back. Relique Brown. So he's gonna be with him around he's gonna be around him a lot on the, the seven on seven circuit in school at practice the high school season. So it's always good gonna have someone constantly in his ear about mm-hmm. and obviously USC is involved with Relique. They have struggles with the USC running back recruiting. Um, but that's 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 a big win.
2: As you guys kind of alluded to as it stands now, back to back years, getting the commitment from the number one player in California. Taking back the West, that whole mantra. I know we kinda of poo it a little bit, uh, because of the Oregon Championship win at the Coliseum, but what does it say overall about how USC is kind of turning it around as far as recruiting goes?
1: Dante Williams effect. <laughs> Whatever they pay him, it ain't enough. I mean made that's p- I made that point.
0: That's why he got the bump in title, and, you know, we had people questioning, like, well, how do the other coaches feel about it? Well, the other coaches are excited because now if you're Vic Soto, you're like, I got Corey Foreman to work with. Yeah. So, you know, I I think that they know why he's getting that bump. I don't think the coaches are – are worried about it, and you know he's earning his paycheck there. You know he, He's making, he's doing a great job with the defensive side. Now can you get another guy in on the offensive side that can do something similar? That'll be the question. That's what they were hoping with a guy like Prentice Gill, potentially uh, we'll see where they go in the, that tight end position, or if Dante needs to start working on some of the offensive recruits the same. And same thing with Clay McGuire. When he comes in, can he start recruiting at a similar high level
1: that uh, you're seeing on the defensive side of the ball? I do think it's funny when people write, get Dante on offensive linemen. He literally can't recruit every position. <laughs> How's that going to look when he's recruiting a five-star lineman? And he's like, that's not his position. Coach He's on the opposite side of the field. I mean, he can help with like a Corey Foreman or Justin Flo defensive guys, but it just it just doesn't work when you said go after the sofa offensive <laughs> lineman, go after this running back. You can't you can't do it. And that was kind of like a little bit what T was doing. They had to put him around and move him, mm-hmm. give him T Martin, yeah, T Martin, use him everywhere because he was clearly the best recruiter. Um, for this team and now Dante obviously still is the best recruiter um, but he has a little bit more support with with this staff
2: to circle back what we were talking about earlier how much do you then prioritize recruiting in your search for that open position on offense
0: so this was something interesting that, that Graham Harrell talked about with Ryan Abraham as well is you know what are you looking for in that position coach when he was talking about the offensive line coach And it's you know I was kind of thinking about it, and you know he's talking about how you got to find someone that has the work ethic and has the energy to work with the kids, Uh, but I think you're you're looking for that complete package. But when you're putting together staff, you got to have some, you got to you know have a well-rounded staff. So you got to have teachers. But you also have to have recruiters. So how do you put those together? So you know, you have to look at that Clay Maguire uh, hire and then go off of that as to what you're gonna do with the tight ends coach, I think, to an extent. You gotta you gotta figure out, okay, you know, if Clay Maguire is gonna be a straight teacher and we think that he, you know, that's his strength, then we need to find a recruiter to go along with him. You gotta pair him up, kind of, you gotta have that well-rounded staff. Ideally, you have someone who does everything really well. Sure. And you know, early results, that that's a guy like Dante. You know, Dante's the cornerbacks did well this season. You know, the, the defensive backs as a whole are playing really well. He's recruiting at an extremely high level. Can you get that at every position? You know, it's very hard to find that staff. You know, and, and that's what you're hoping and you're hoping for. But if you're not going to have that, you've got to be able to find that well rounded balance on an entire staff.
2: Based on what you said, if I were USC, I would focus straight strictly on recruiter first. Because one, let's be honest, the tight ends don't do much. <laughs> Two, if Clay McGuire is more the teaching type of coach, you need a boost somehow. Why I mean, not? I don't know that Clay McGuire is not a good recruiter. Sure, I'm not saying that.
0: I know he has pulled in some guys that have gone on to be really good talents at Washington State. However, Washington State's not a you know a blue blood, so they're not bringing in the five star guys. So you know he's at least able to identify talent now is that him coaching them up is that's the part of the process that we don't really know and that's you know that's what you got to figure out as a, as a coaching staff to try to find that well-balanced staff I think
1: yeah there's recruiting as a age recruiter and I think there's recruiting as a developer and he feels like mm. uh, the Latter. ladder a guy's like look I can take a three-star and I can make him uh, all-American I can make him an all-conference and that that sells that does sell um, and it might help a little bit. Uh, when he's at USC and he gets a season or two and he can show his work, like, hey, this is what I did. And that might make a four-star go like, you know what? He, he, you know, he might not have – I might be the first big sign he's ever had, but he also hasn't been at many big places like USC. So uh, I trust this guy because what, he, what he's showing me on the field is, is good, and I, I trust that.
0: And ideally you, gotta, you get a guy like Larry Johnson at Ohio State who brings in five-star talents, brings in a Bosa brother, but then takes him to that next level. Uh, so that's what you really want, but you know, there's not a there's not hundreds of those guys around the They're country. They're not on trees. They're not on trees. Yeah. So <laughs> you 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 hope that you have one or two on a staff and then you build the rest of the staff around
2: that's well balanced. Speaking of offensive recruiting, something we've talked about on this podcast before is if you're USC staff, how do you recruit a running back out of the portal? That was something we were not sure how you really do because stats don't lie. But they did get someone out of the portal. Texas running back Keontae Ingram. What were your guys' initial thoughts when you saw his commitment?
0: How do you go get a running back out of the portal? Well, you have previous connections with him. And USC obviously had a couple of coaches that have come from Texas, so that obviously did not hurt. Now, how does the you know, how do you convince him? That's a big question. And you know I, I think that you have to show that you, know, you have to tell them, this is what we're going to do differently. So what is USC going to do differently to, to convince uh, Keontae Ingram, a former starter at Texas? So this is a really big pickup for them, I think.
1: Yeah, my initial thoughts was this is a huge win. This is not, you know, maybe you land a Byron Cardwell who committed to Oregon, but this is like an instant impact. You don't have to worry about the freshman uh, development early on or making that jump. You get an instant impact guy, a starter who has started at a high level at the University of Texas, um, a guy you can plug in right away, and the fourth – as I mentioned on on social media, the fourth quality starter level guy you've gotten out of the portal—that's how you portal. And this guy goes into that that uh, that uh, that grouping. And but what I'm more interested in is how does how does the older guys react to this? How does a Steven Carr or a Vivaya Malapei react to this? I had uh, I I didn't know we were doing stock up, but I had stock up on uh, disrupting the Apple Cart. And seeing like what, how do these guys react? Is that is it is it like, oh, you're bringing in this older guy, like a guy who can start right away with us? That's less carries for us, so maybe we're out of here. And then if you have both of those guys leave or one of those guys leave, your depth is an issue again. Still kind of an issue, but now it's even worse, even though you pick up a talented guy like Ingram. It could, you know, upset
0: the apple cart. I think that's a, a good uh, that would have been a good stock up if we were doing it. It's not in season, Chris. Come Wait, on. way
1: to way to slight me there while complimenting yeah. me.
0: He wants to be a full time member, but doesn't even know the flow. Come it, on. Maybe if someone told me about the flow. I mean, you should listen he, to the pod in the even, past. Even told. Wow. The flow. Um, but he's a he's a third year guy, so that means he still has three years of eligibility remaining with the extra year uh, that the NCAA is giving. So I think he slots in well as far as yeah. the classes. Um, now you want to keep those older guys on, and you know I think they still can keep them on. How do you convince them all you're going to split the carries? Are you going? To, and that's the thing they talked about this all season. Mike Jinks did an interview with the LA Times and said we got to find the one guy that's going to be you know the workhorse. And so now you have open competition, but if you've already told those guys that, then maybe then they've had that confidence that I can be that guy, then that's why they would stick around. They are not they don't feel like, hey, we're going to split the carries evenly once again. And if you convince them of that, then I think that's how you keep those those two older guys to, to stay as well.
2: I'm very curious about retention going forward, because even before you threw in Keontae into the mix, there was definite talk that basically all of the running backs on the roster could leave. So... You have to recruit a guy to USC by saying, hey, you're going to come in and be able to play. You're going to get carries. So then what do they take away from that? Are, they, are, are some feathers ruffled from that assumption? From You know what I'm saying? Like I, I'm there, i curious how this goes over. But I do think he slots well, like you said, in the roster because you have such a drop-off of age-wise. But as far as making up what you lost, I don't think he brings the power that Marquis Step had. So how do you make up for that, or do you even make up for that?
0: Again, I don't think Marquis Stepp is a great fit in this offense. You know, it's not the type of running back that Mike Jinks has had before. It's not the guy that is the typical running back in the air raid. So I think when you're going out there, I don't think you go look for a giant fullback. You know, you don't bring in a position that you're not going to use. If, if that's not the type of running back that fits a you know a bulldozing type of guy in the offense, then that's not what you're looking for. So I don't think you re-recruit the same thing if it's not a great fit. Now Marquis Step I thought could be the starting running back in this offense, and we, he showed the signs of it. Unfortunately, it didn't happen for him because of the injuries. But I, I think that if you're looking, you go you go recruit what you think is going to work best for the offense, not try to you know replace what just left.
2: I think he fit in the sense that he was able to create some holes for himself where there weren't
0: and the idea is that you bring in a new offensive line coach you're gonna have yes, more holes i know, I know. well uh, that's the thing is what is your plan versus what's gonna be reality that's gonna be the big question for the offense going forward and the run game in particular
2: yeah for sure
1: ah screw it this was also on my stock up <laughs> the <laughs> air rate ability of the running backs because keonta ingram is an excellent pass catcher out of the backfield you're adding Brandon Campbell, who was also a good pass catcher out of the backfield. Now you have four really good pass catchers out of the backfield, which fits a lot more what the air raid is about and not so much as what Marquis Stepp was about, even though he had a little bit of that to his game, but it wasn't like the other guys on the team.
0: Then they need to freaking use the running backs <laughs> as pass catchers instead of just drop down you know, options as checkdowns. You know, hey, go stand over there, and if we can't find anybody open, we'll toss it to you. No, throw the angle route out there. Stephen Carr, you know, that's what beat Texas, you know, or helped them beat Texas, get to overtime, was an angle route, you know, going against a linebacker over the middle. And maybe that's not going to be a part of this offense. Graham Harrell, you know, says that this is not the Mike Leeds. We're not really air raid. We're not, you know, we're not the Mike Leeds. That's the only true air raid. And they don't use the running backs in the same way that Mike Leach does, which I would like to see them develop some some of those tendencies. I mean, some of those usages. You know, I think that that could be beneficial for the guys that are on this roster because they do all catch the ball well. You know, I think all the guys that are on the roster right now and the two guys coming in, I think they all can catch the ball really well. So why not use that as an element of your offense?
1: I love the angle route in Madden. Oh, so good. Won so many games with angle they need we, That Need that clutch
0: first down? Boom, angle route. Will routes, too, can be very useful in this offense. You know, I think there's just different things they could be doing with the running backs that they're not really using them for.
2: Alrighty, well, let's jump into questions. We have a hefty bag, a mail bag, if you will. First off from Therese. Teresa, Not sure. Says, besides John Davis, are we looking at any other possible new commits to the 2021 class when February 3rd finally rolls around? Finally meaning next week which is crazy, Uh, seems like there's not much left on the board.
0: I mean, the biggest name out there is JT tuomo The number one overall in the 24-7 rankings, the defensive tackle from Washington. He may not sign, though, on signing day. He's talked about potentially, you know, waiting a a little bit longer because he wants to take visits, and you know, the NCAA has said that Things should open up in April. If that's the case, he wants to take the visits before he makes a commitment. So, Ray John Davis is really the only guy on the radar as far as next week uh, in that, you know, the, early, the national signing day. I put an air quotes since it's no longer the college football holiday. It's just like, a, oh, yeah, there's one or two other guys that may be signing on this day, too.
1: Yeah, I believe JT came out and said he'll be signing in April. So, that actually, I would imagine, helps USC build up a little, can gain a little more traction get a visit in, get him on campus with Vic and and such. Um, so I think that helps them. But, yeah, don't expect him to be signing anywhere uh, come next week. Rajon, obviously, that's one. The other name, maybe I throw it, is the uh, Texas offensive tackle, Austin Uke. Mm-hmm. Um, USC was involved with him when, when Drebno got on him early. He's, he's emerged as a four-star now. Um, have to see what Clay, Clay McGuire's plan is. With, maybe he's maybe he's more focused. I feel like they're more focused on the portal portal right now. Uh, you know, maybe recruiting Henry to Oto Oto, um, looking at some portal offensive tackles. So maybe they'll save those spots maybe for someone out of the portal as opposed to, you know, a freshman.
0: Yeah. And it depends, you know, partly on what scholarships they have and, you know, if they expect other transfers out of the program too. You know, is that going to happen to open up more spots? How many spots do they have? That's a little bit in flux right now. So that Asunuke is one that, you know, might depend a little bit on that, like you
1: said. I believe they'd be at 22 with Rajon if they if they sign him. And then you obviously got to leave a spot for JT. So mm-hmm. probably more focus on the portal right now. But you never know. Things happen all the time on Sunday. Day. We get random <laughs> people all the time. Dijon Benton. Shout out Dijon Benton.
2: We have a couple running back questions. Cam said, between Stephen Carr, Keenan Kristen, and Mavai Malapai, and Keenan Ingram, who do you see as the front runner to have the most reps next year? Kristen's so quick they should utilize his speed like Gary Bryant Jr.?
0: Unfortunately, it seems like he's the guy that just keeps getting passed over. Um, So, and maybe it changes if you, now you widen out the splits and suddenly there's bigger holes and you think you can get him through that hole and you turn a three-yard game where we need to break a tackle into suddenly there's six yards before he's touched and he can break that into a 50-yard run and you feel more confident in that. Maybe that suits his game more. So I think the offensive line play may determine what type of running back they need in there. Um, So, it may come down to the offensive line of determining which running back is used because they have different skill sets and you know who's going to fit best behind the offensive line, with, depending on how how well they're blocking.
2: Richan wants to know who USC can land in the 2022 class as far as running backs go.
0: I mean, Chris talked about earlier about Relique Brown. You know, the USC is going to be on him, the modern day running back. Uh, a guy that I really like is Javante Barnes uh, from Desert Pines in Vegas, where they just got Michael Jackson from. Uh, he is, you know, a legit six foot six one, and he is built like a truck and catches the ball well out of the backfield. Seeing him in seven on seven events. so I know that's a guy they got on early. He had one of their, one of his earliest offers was USC, so
1: that's a guy I think that they'll continue to recruit as well. Another local guy, Rayshon Luke, aka mm-hmm. Speedy, out of St. John Bosco. Obviously, you have Relique Brown at Modern Day. Speedy is going to be the guy at St. John Bosco. That's a really nice little. Uh, RB rivalry there but he is a very dynamic back similar to Kristen. he's a he's a speedster um, a track guy as well um so i think he he's a little bit he's obviously a little bit smaller 5 foot 8 but he kind of fits that mold of that all-purpose smaller shiftier back that uh Mike Jinks has looked for uh, a joystick back if you will and you can take two backs in this class too oh, you, need, you need two backs yeah
2: chris chris I, wasn't leaving that up 8
1: i've been saying they need it feels like they've needed two backs for like 10 cycles it really does feel like that actually
2: when will it happen
0: I think that's why the Keontae Ingram is big because you're you're kind of you're able to slot him in for one of those yeah. classes that you missed out on. He kind of fits into where Marquis Step was, so there's not as big of a drop off. You're not going to suddenly have four or five running backs in two classes, and then they're all competing with each other. And eventually, guys are going to transfer out. I think just filling in the class, you know, the the hole left by Marquis Step uh, being gone, and not getting a, a, re- a recruit in that uh, 2018 class. Oh. I can't remember which year it is. I, I struggle with the years jumping off the top. They of all end. blend together. I'm, I'm officially <laughs>
1: sure. making this my new USC inception totem.
2: What is the running if USC
1: guy? does not sign a class or two running backs in a class. It means I'm in reality. Okay, it's a reality. If it's wanna, two, something's going up.
2: Do you want to reveal what your former? I totem do not. Was? I, okay. I
1: decline to reveal what Kay. it is, but it involved a player in practice, and that's all I'll say. That's all I'll say.
2: <laughs> we got a tweet from an interesting Twitter account, Dante Williams fanboy. And the Abby is like those little like emoji hearts around Dante Williams. Oh, let's so. go.
1: Let's go. That's my burner.
2: <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. He says, why is Kerry Colbert struggling with recruiting? USC has piped out wide receivers into the NFL, yet they are not recruiting like it. Not making the top four for Amika and Troy is bad. And out of the three wide receivers USC got in 21, two of them were three stars, and he wasn't the lead recruiter for Chiron Ware-Hudson. Just confused here
1: it does seem like there's like some deficiency or going on some struggles and you just don't know what it is because it seems just like a, a slam dunk, easy job to sell. It's, it should be your easiest point selling point for this, for this offense, just because of how much they throw the ball, how their wide receivers are becoming stars in, in the pack 12 for this. And they're getting exposure for, you know, the NFL draft, Tyler Vaughn's Um St. Brown. It just seems like a, an easy fit, but it, you, you figured they would have signed at least one of those big time names, even missing out on the local guy, Bo Collins, who was a top uh, 100 prospect out of St. John Bosco. They were on him early and then Clemson came in and stole him and locked him up. Uh, so I can't really I don't really know what's going on there, but it just seems like something's going on there as, as it was alluded to. But something's not working there right now. It doesn't help
0: that they haven't rotated the receivers. Yeah. So if That's you're a point. young receiver and you say, oh, well, they got Tyler Vons or they had Amon Ross Brown, I'm still going to be able to come in and get some reps and I'll be able to prove myself. You, you look at, you know, Gary Bryant this year, or you look back and outside of Drake London, you go, when is a freshman going to get in there to get some opportunities? They're not really rotating these guys around. Uh, so you look at it and say, well, Maybe I'll go somewhere else while I play immediately and get that playing time, and that's a big thing with five-star wide receivers. Ego is huge with five-star wide receivers in general, um, and therefore they're going to think that they should be playing right away. So if they see that that's not happening, then I think that that makes it very difficult to recruit those type of players.
1: And it's going to be interesting for this twenty twenty two cycle wide receiver wise because it's not that deep in in California. You know, you have T Mac uh, out of Servite, who's a who's a top fifteen player. Um, he could play both sides of the ball, but he's listed as a wide receiver. That'd probably be your big one. And then C.J. Williams, Adam day, another Damani Jackson a connection there who's been, you know, Texas has been coming on for him. So that's going to be interesting to see if they can keep him. But those are the two really big names out of SoCal. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do. And they've offered a ton of people in Texas. So we'll see if they keep pushing Texas uh, wide receivers uh, going forward.
2: Jagger asked, who do you think is the most underrated signee in the 2021 class?
1: I would say, because I was just going to actually make this point because we were talking about wide receivers, that would be Michael Jackson the third for me. Um, I think if he had played this season, if he got the season in out in Nevada, I think we would have seen him bumped up to that four-star. I really like his game. I like his physical build right now. He is an early enrollee. I think he would probably be number one on my choice of uh, underrated. And I do think there are some in this class, but That's going to be my take. I know Shotgun's probably stewing over it.
0: It's a really good take. I really like Michael Jackson. I like what he brings to the table. Uh, Another guy who I think was going to take a big bump up in a similar vein if they would have been able to play, Zamarion Gordon at Downey Warren. I think he's a guy that... You Know it's still a little raw, and I think just more playing time people are gonna. You know, he just pops on the screen when you see him, he, he destroys people, even though he's not that big. Uh, so I, I think that with more playing time,
1: he would attract more eyeballs, and therefore his rating would improve as well. Also, I got to shout out Colin Mobley out of DeMatha, my alma mater. So I'm just saying, DMV, DMV, PG we, don't, County we don't mess boys, around, right? PG County boys, PG County Beach boys. That's a P, that's a PG County person coming to California. So he's in the PG County Beach Boys Club. Oh, so let's go. Fun. I don't like the way you said that. You sound like a, a mom when I tell her a crazy idea. No. Oh, fun.
2: Is Joseph Manjack a cop-out for that answer?
1: No. He's a fun answer. I, Just because of the numbers so in, he did. It's so intriguing. intriguing to me. Mm-hmm. Six foot three, put some numbers.
0: The question is him at wide receiver. Just because he played so much quarterback and running back for, for them in Texas... You know, does he have Is he refined
1: in the skill set
0: At wide receiver And that's what you want to see When he gets to USC When he gets on campus USC
1: got two video game number guys Man Jack and Dart So always love those guys Always Especially as a skill position
2: And fun names So you can't go wrong there
1: Can't go wrong there A
0: lot of Jacks on the team now Mike Jack Man Jack Drake Jack Jack Drake
2: That was like a Juliana Fallonico And Nico Falla. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a joke <laughs> Was legitimately like stop playing with me.
0: There's Drake Jackson on the team, but there's also a walk-on whose name is Jackson Drake. His full he goes by Jack, but his full name is Jackson Drake. Jack,
1: Jack Drake.
2: That's that's mm-hmm. my totem. Palindrome names on the USC roster. He's, he's
1: a DB, right? He is. Yes. I want to see Man Jack over Drake Jack in one-on-ones. Well, you're gonna see Mike Jack versus Jake Drake too. Oh, Drake Jack too. The Jack attack is Jack back. Drake. Mike Jack, Man Jack attack Drake Jack.
2: <laughs> what? No, no, no. Man Jack versus what's gonna Jack, Jack is. Jones. Is. What?
0: No, what's going to happen is you'll get Jack Drake guarding one of them. Drake Jackson drops into coverage is guarding the other one. So Drake Jack and Jack Drake guarding Man Jack and Mike Jack. I love it.
2: What? I love it. Well done.
0: Tweet that out. <laughs> so just write that tweet down right now and then save it for whatever practice happens. <laughs> I pointed this out to someone at USC and they're like, I can't wait till
1: you tweet this out. No, they're more like, go to bed. It's 3 a.m. Why are you thinking about this?
0: Those are the tweets I say, I mean, the texts I save to to send the next day. To whom? When I think of tweets at 3 in the morning, I mean, uh, texts at 3 in the morning, I just put them in drafts, and I'm like, I'll send those in the morning when people are awake.
2: I don't get any draft texts.
0: Because you're
1: actually awake at 3. I just send them to you.
2: <laughs> That's fair. I don't know what that laugh was. Um, Yes?
1: I was just saying, we'll do that for a podcast. We go through our drafts and read some of them.
2: Our Twitter address. Yeah. Oh, I wonder what mine look like. Our buddy Saman has a question about USC's offensive line. He says, "Out of the current alignment on the roster, which could capably play left tackle?"
0: I mean, we've talked about this in the past. Uh, you know, I thought Liam Jimmons was a great candidate for it coming into the season. He struggled this year, though. So, um, so, but I think a year of practice at that position, I think, would be really big for him. Spring practice and stuff. So, he's a guy I think that has the length. Has enough length that moves his feet well enough that he could play that position. Andrew Voorhees is a guy that's played tackle before, so that's a guy you might look at. But I, I think that you're looking at your your young guys. You know, Casey Collier played behind uh, Elijah Vera Tucker this year, and Cortland Ford is a guy that they think can play tackle as well. So those two guys, and then maybe Jonah Monheim. I'm I'm still not sold on him as a tackle. I think he's an interior guy. I think he's a mauler interior, but you know, they practiced him at at tackle as well, so he could be another guy. I think it's one of those three young guys that's gonna eventually get that job.
1: Yeah, if I'm the coaching staff, I'm hoping Casey Collier put on a lot of weight, got some muscle, cause six foot seven, that's a left tackle right mm-hmm. there. So I, I think he's a dark horse there. But yeah, Cortland Ford, Liam Jimmins we've talked about. I think Liam Jimmons looked really good when he played tackle that first spring when he switched over. He struggled early. But then by the end, he was winning reps at, at tackle. So I like that. And then I think we have to throw out Frank Martin, who could be back. He opted out this year. That could be a potential. So just throwing another name out there. I think with
0: Liam Jimmins, the big thing is that, that practice time. Because we've seen how, how valuable it's been for him as a guy who hasn't played a ton of reps at the offensive line. So yeah. getting an actual full practice schedule with spring, with summer workouts, with fall camp could be really big for him. He
2: was also really high on Tim Drevno, so I'm curious how that transition to a new coach plays out for him because he felt like Drevno was really teaching him well. So,
0: And that's the thing. You, n- you never know with a new coach coming in who's going to fit best with the coach and their, their, yeah. you know, their personalities and stuff and who's going to you know, take their game to the next level under a new coach.
2: Final question comes from Rob who says, Which happens first, USC football makes the college football playoff or USC men's basketball makes a Final Four? Whew. That's a tough one. I'm gonna say men's basketball. Say it with some gusto.
1: Men's basketball. I think it's football
0: just because it's an easier route. I think you there's a little bit more luck involved in making a Final Four in college basketball. You, you know who gets hot at the right time, who makes the right run. Versus college football, if you're a blue blood program, you have a much better opportunity. USC, if they straighten things out, they should be able to. They can go undefeated in the Pac-12 and play their way into, you know, the pack, into the college football playoff. So, and I think the college football playoff is about to expand. So, hopefully,
2: you say that like you have like breaking news no, in your
0: ear. No, I wish. Uh, so, I think that that's in the next couple of years an expansion to potentially eight teams. So that gives USC a better chance there too.
1: All right, virtual shake on it. Loser leaves town.
2: Oh. <laughs>
1: Do you really want me to leave down? virtual? no. Stay.
2: <laughs> Already, like I said, that wraps it up for questions. Chris Yo, there, there's one What's more. A, what? I, no, there's not.
0: I just want to address this. This has been asked, and it's been asked a couple different times. And uh, El Cordobos asks, will Drake Jackson be adding back on the weight and going back to rushing the passer next season? Why does everybody think that he is dropping into coverage all the time? He did it like 20 times this season. It's not like he's, he's rushing the passer almost every single play. Now the question about adding the weight back – that that could be a viable question, but stop asking about him dropping the coverage and not rushing the passer. When he rushes the passer almost exclusively, he's dropping in the coverage as much as a guy like Uchenna Nwosu or Porter Gustin was. It's an occasional thing because you draw extra attention when you are a really good pass rusher, and therefore you want to try to blitz from a different side and have you know create uh, an unbalanced attack. Then you are going to drop someone in coverage in a zone blitz type of thing. So it's not like he's dropping into coverage twenty times a game. It's like twenty times for the season.
1: I can't follow a man who watches every game five times. So. That was <laughs> do you think time. he should add weight back, though? That's a, that's kinda, that's kind of a. I think he could add a little bit more. A little bit more. The
2: thing is, Get I don't know. Get back
1: some of that thickness.
2: How much do you want to mess with that? Because there was definite concern as far as dropping weight in the hamstring. You mm. can't drop that much weight and not have your body kind of react to it. So I don't know if you want to do that again for another year.
0: Yeah, I don't think you want to keep flip-flopping back and forth. I think sure. you need to find find what he works best at and stick with it now if you add a little bit of weight you know how was his, how did his body take the weight uh, the, the lighter weight this year. That's a big question. You know, is he really beat up at the end of the season and it's only six games? Then you say, okay, well, we need to we need to put on 10, 15 pounds. I don't think he had to go 20, 25, 30 like he was previously. I think he really felt good. He felt athletic. He felt fast. But I think you have to be concerned about the wear and tear. So that's the question that he has to kind of answer himself. What does his body feel like uh, towards the end of the season in a shortened season?
2: All righty, Chris, it's time for me to toss the torch to you. And I can physically in the studio.
0: He did not actually. That would be dangerous.
2: It's time for take you to leave it.
0: I'm on fire. Uh, (laughs) uh, This. I was thinking more of like an Olympic torch, just bopping you upside the head, and then setting you on fire. Oh. Hmm.
1: As you know, we do fake corporate sponsors. To.
0: And then after it bops you on the head,
1: just the dog gif. This is fine. (laughs) He really wanted to get that.
2: (laughs) He looked really proud after he got that off.
1: As you know, we do fake corporate sponsors. Uh, This week was a little bit different. Are they
2: they really fake?
1: Are they? Fake real sponsors (laughs) is probably a better thing for our sellout, take it or leave it, that you guys make me do. Uh, This one's a little different just because we had some drama last week with Mr. Gunn over here. Um, So here's our presenting sponsor who sent me this email that I'm going to read as... Sort of the pitch, because it kind of fell through based off what happened last week. Dear Christian, this is Larry Scott. (laughs) I was hoping you could squeeze us in for the smash success that is fake corporate sponsor. It's perfect for us as a fake network. That is the Pac-12 network. I want to send the Pac-12 network out on a medium note. (laughs) This is my legacy. You can help me ensure it lives on PS... I think they should make you an official member. And that's the word.
0: Oh, no, that's not good. Of
1: the outgoing commissioner.
0: That's not a good endorsement for you.
1: I already did some of the work for you. Don't have to write the tags. I already did them for you. Take the night off and leave behind the idea that there will be quality programming on. Pac-12 Network. Suck it, shotgun. (laughs) So there's sort of the unofficial fake real sponsor for this week thank you to larry for sending me that very nice email the deal actually fell through because of your quick take last week so we didn't really have an official sponsor but i did have this email so that is filling in so a little free press for the Pact network thank you for not officially sponsoring this segment
2: almost sponsored. almost thinking about it at least
1: shotgun ruining another deal for us
0: you know, i'm okay with it
2: you have to speak your truth shotgun
1: Suck it shotgun. <laughs> I just want that to be the official logo. Official the tagline of the Backtop Network Dramatic Production. I Suck just, it
0: shotgun. I just want Larry Scott to put that on his Twitter handle. Suck at the very it, bottom. Shotgun. Couple a couple of uh, you know blank lines and then just at the bottom. Suck it shotgun.
1: Hashtag. All right, I got a couple here. I thought we would have a shorter time, so I filled them out a little bit more. Uh, so let's try to keep it quick, ladies and germs. Take one. You're taking one that's the bigger ad. Katie Nixon or Keonta Ingram?
0: Keonta Ingram. More years eligibility.
2: Yeah, I would agree with that. Okay.
1: Both gave the wrong answer, but okay.
0: If you would have made it for the 2021 season, it might have been a much tougher take.
1: At least two USC seniors will leave.
0: There's 12 scholarship guys that are returning. Some of the guys have already said they're returning. Um, Some of them, Chris is not including as key guys. But she he said is? seniors, so Don't I think it's still a take.
1: Suck it, shotgun. I still <laughs> I understand. I still have a take on that, too. So you're taking at least two or more? Yes. Least. Okay.
2: Mm, I'm actually going to leave it.
1: Oh, okay. Plus, Chris never said scholarship, so if non-scholarship guys leave, sure, uh, there you
2: go. Hey. semantics will
1: get me again. Mm-hmm.
2: Semantics are important. Welcome to the favorite podcast.
1: He was on my stock up Ew, that you were, never got You
2: were too happy about that, and we can't have that type of a synergy. Nope,
1: it's happening. <laughs> I don't know what he did.
2: He did finger guns at me.
1: Okay, I love finger guns. Uh, this guy would have been my stock up if we were doing stock up, but Marlon Tui Pelotu has been shining at the Senior Bowl. Mm-hmm. uh I'm going back to an old one. Marlon Tui Poloto will be taken higher than J Tufele. I'm going. I'm bringing it back out. I'm still leaving it. He's still. He's still leaving it.
2: I think I said leave it last time, and I'm gonna leave it again.
0: Okay. I think okay. the potential is too high for J Tufele. Okay. And I still
1: think there's concerns about Marlon Tui Poloto consistency through the yeah, season.
2: That's what fueled my decision.
1: USC's 2022 class will be finished higher than 2021, which is currently eighth. Uh, 2021 is currently eight. 2022 is currently seven. I'm going to take that. I think the
0: the momentum that they're building now, it's going to depend on the season, how well they do. Sure. But I'm going to take the momentum that they're building early to help them out in this next class.
2: Yeah. If you asked me this last week, I would say leave it. But with Damani, I say take it.
1: Finally, this one's going to be a fun one, I think. You're building your team. You need one elite recruiter. Dante Williams or T. Martin. Who are you taking? Dante Williams. Okay.
2: Where is my team located? Oh, that's an interesting
0: question. It's USC.
2: I'm taking Dante Williams.
0: Okay. Hey, if you could get them both back on the same staff, that wouldn't be a terrible idea.
2: That's a recruiting Palooza.
0: Yeah. Which, you know, T Martin is available right now. There is an opening. You can put him in wide receivers coach, put uh, Kerry Colbert back at tight ends. Don't feel the i I'm just saying. Um, I'm just saying. However, I think there's too many burn bridges there. He, Agreed. Just, he just threw a whole bunch of
1: gasoline <laughs> on that. Just a whole <laughs> bunch of out. gasoline on that. That's just for uh, That uh, <laughs> And that wraps up our corporate uh, fake sponsor, real corporate fake sponsor. Thank you again to Larry Scott and the, the Pac-12 Network. Enjoy your retirement. Enjoy your lessons. Uh, and suck a shotgun i hope that sticks around <laughs> i really hope that that sticks you know so let's get into our fun ones you are two baseball people not a single hall of fame inductee for this year i feel like that's weird but i don't also follow baseball that closely so what what's going on guys
0: last time it happened was 2013
1: so are you okay with it?
2: Is that a take it or leave it? Or just yeah, Chris has a it? baseball question? Are you, are you taking it? Are You
1: You it? said, what's going on? Is <laughs> There's nothing to take but or this leave it. But this is the take it or leave it. Is that stupid?
0: <laughs> the way you phrased it was not good.
1: Fair enough. Fair enough.
2: <laughs> what's going on, guys? Take it. I will leave the 5% rule. I think that's dumb.
0: What's the 5% rule? Where you drop off the ballot if you're under 5%. Um, I'm taking it. Um,
2: what are you taking?
1: <laughs> that no one was on the b- was anyone eligible or was no one sexy enough for the Hall of Fame? What?
2: <laughs> I Look,
1: the I have question I, needs to start over. I, do you want me to explain how Hall of Fame voting blo- works? No, I want you to take it or leave it. <laughs>
2: There's nothing to take or leave.
0: You said what's going on. <laughs> Not si- I'm going to take going on. <laughs> yeah, I'll take <laughs> that. Suck it, Chris.
1: <laughs> you can't, that's a legal property of the pact. <laughs> you can't just, I will sue you in court. Me and Larry. Uh, this one I actually saw on social media. Kraft is coming out with a hot pink mac and cheese for Valentine's Day. That tastes like candy. I can tell by the faces that this is going to be an easy one for you all. It's all I'll take. Can you
2: call it mac and cheese?
1: It says mac and cheese. I don't know what you want from me. I'm a I'm a
0: ardent supporter of Kraft mac and cheese. Okay. As big Kraft I. guy. Big Kraft guy. Um, I'll just eat a box for dinner sometimes. I don't know why they call it family size, but if I can eat it in one little sitting, <sighs> it's not family size. Uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna leave that. I don't think I need hot pink. Um, I will take shapes. You know, I got you know Rugrats or Paw Patrol or whatever. I get random shapes ones. I don't I don't care. Just whichever one provides me with the mac and cheese, I'm happy with it. But no, not taking pink.
1: I smell a new real fake corporate sponsor for <laughs> <the>, Valentine's <laughs> coming up.
2: And Chris just showed us what it looks like. And it, does it looks not like look appetizing.
1: It's a bowl of pink,
2: just like a mouth of dye. Yeah. So I'm gonna leave it on that okay. front. Okay. craft do better. Uh, get a gluten free option. That's all. Do I'm better.
1: You no, know, I, I like throwing lists sometimes in here, but Redbox released their top ten football movies. I threw this you're, on the P. Yeah, you're very. Big it on got this. a good contr- uh, conversation going, but very quickly, the top ten football films according to Redbox are Rudy. This is one to one to ten. Rudy, remember the Titans, The Blind Side. We Are Marshall, Friday Night Lights, Any Given Sunday, Varsity Blues, Draft Day, Jerry McGuire, and Little Giants at the 10 spot. Are we taking this list or are we throwing it out? I am throwing it out. I just want that on the record because there are some trash on this. You are
0: very vehemently I'm. There are some, this list.
1: some some classics missing on this.
0: All right. Let's just start with... We're all going to leave it, okay. I think. Keely...
2: Well, I was gonna say clearly he's not a member of this podcast because he doesn't know how movie references go with me. Oh yeah,
1: she doesn't watch any movies. She's never Barely. seen any you, football wait. Movie. How many movies have you seen on this list?
2: I think maybe three.
1: What are they? Remember the Titans? Yes. Friday Night Lights? No. Little Giants? No. Great movie.
0: <gasps> Rick Moranis takes kids. over a little Al giant team B- versus Al Bundy.
2: Team. No.
1: He has the the, the, the refrigerator. Key, the Keaton Slovis like
0: It's a girl playing football. You should definitely watch
1: this. Icebox. Movie.
2: What? Oh, someone called me Icebox. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor Mays <laughs> did. <raised
1: it>. Wow. <laughs> wow.
2: Yeah, Taylor Mays wow. used to call me Icebox. Um
1: Spike don't play with girls. Spike runs power eye. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That was it.
2: Anyway. Blindside, Rudy.
1: Remember the Titans? Yes. So you've seen the top three.
2: Attitude reflects leadership, Captain. Whoa. It's a line.
1: I know. Oh, we know. We we okay. were
2: surprised you threw the line at a strong yeah.
1: side. Yeah. Remember the Titans is definitely up there for me. Oh, it's in the top. They're easy.
2: Mm-hmm. So good.
1: Um,
0: the, I'm leaving this list for sure. Rudy should never be number one to begin with. Yeah, that's a that's Should Black Rudy blaster. be on the list? Probably. Okay. But it's going to be in the bottom half of the list at best. Um, any given Sunday, I'm a really big fan of. Uh, Steeman Willie
1: Beeman. I
2: would oh, I've seen Jerry Maguire. Sorry. Oh, that seems more
1: rom-com than football yeah. movie. Hence
2: why it was in the...
1: Okay, it's in the wheelhouse.
0: What, the, the better question is, what's the movie that should be on the list that isn't? What
1: movie are you replacing with what? Okay, Draft Day is, should not be on this list. It is a garbage <laughs> movie. It is fun to watch, and it's a guilty pleasure movie, but it is garbage.
0: I've only seen it once. I, I did like it, but it feels like, for love of the game to me... People list it as a top baseball movie, and I'm just like, get out of here. There's not even baseball in it.
1: I think I'm a big The Replacements fan. Keanu yes. Reeves. Yes. That yes. should That's absolutely exactly where be on this. Uh, Has, um, she hasn't not, it. You have not seen The Replacements. I'm uh. just
2: trying to think of another <laughs> football movie, to be honest. I think
1: you can make the argument for The Longest Yard. The old one,
2: right? Not the new
0: one.
1: The new one's I the haven't old. seen the old one. Uh, Waterboy? Yes. I just rewatched that, and it's so good. <laughs> If we're having Little Giants on this movie, on this list, which I think it deserves to be on this list, even if it's in I think Waterboy deserves to be on this mm-hmm. list. So those are three I'm throwing out you right now. I think the program, people are fond of the Ooh, program. Yeah. I know Gerard is a big fan of the program. Big the program, too. She is having a tough time thinking of something over there. And
0: I haven't seen it, but Brian's song, everyone just talks about how, how great of a movie it is and great story. So I feel like that one should be in the top 10 as well.
2: We're going to be talking about foreign language, and I feel the same amount of understanding understand. now.
1: But I'm taking off draft day, Jerry Maguire... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Probably we are Marshall. I watched it. Didn't really impact me. Oh. I, I understand it's about something very tragic and, and yeah, that's kind of that heartless. One. I would, uh, I'm would like, take Blindside on. off. I
0: was never not a big fan of Blindside.
1: It
2: has Ed O in it.
1: Yeah, there's good parts.
0: That, you yeah, know, Sandra Bullock part. won
1: the won the Academy Award for it, but it just no. I, I didn't I didn't like. It felt too she, like fied and I did not really like it. I and she
0: did Disney not way. come across as a you know a Southern woman to me. <laughs> Oh, as a as a, as a southern man, word. he, yeah, he knows. Word.
1: He knows. So
0: yeah, yeah so I, so that that was probably it. Was I couldn't suspend uh, suspend my disbelief enough to believe Sand- believe in Sandra Bullock's character. So that's probably why <sighs> I did don't not like it. Sandy B.
1: She can go be in Speed. I'm okay with that. counter Reeves replacements back to back to. So I'm Blindside will almost be off this list. I might keep it in there. i might have to rewatch it. Rudy's off the list for me. Get out, get out of there. I don't want it. Uh, but I'm getting replacements. I'm getting Waterboy on there. And then you could argue about... Uh, Varsity Marcus Blues Yard.
0: should definitely be higher. It should be in the top three. Friday Night
1: Lights is in my top three. Nah. It might be my one.
0: Friday Night Lights is meh to it's me. It's a
1: movie? You ha-
0: <laughs> this is oh actually funny. God. We're having a,
1: a conversation oh and she's just like,
0: God. that's a movie? Wow. All, one that is probably Wait. overlooked. It's an 80s movie, so I know Keeley has no chance to have seen this. Is All the Right Moves,
1: Tom Cruise as a football player? Mm, I've heard of this movie. I've never seen it.
0: It's uh, about basically like a, a steel town uh, football, you know, high school football team in a steel town. In, is there a lot of football in it? Yes, there is. Okay. Okay. Good amount. So I, was it a oh. show <laughs> first? <or was> <laughs> all right. And movie? that's where
1: we're going to end it right there. <laughs> so it was a show. It was a book, then a movie, then a show. Oh. Buzz Bissinger wrote a book about this team. And you never read brand? Fred and Lights? Have you read Fred and Lights? I haven't read it all. Okay. I read some Step pieces up. of it. Okay. I mean, I'm going to miss It's one of the greatest. Uh, sports right. book's ever written.
0: I've got to give you the story, though. On my drive out to California, when I initially came out... You went to Odessa? So I was driving out, and I was doing this over four days. I was going to stop in a minor league baseball or a baseball stadium each day. So I stopped in Montgomery, watched a Biscuits game. God, what a great mascot, the Biscuits. The Montgomery Biscuits. Then I stopped in Arlington to watch Texas and uh, the Red Sox. The next day, I was going to gonna be in Tempe. I mean, excuse me, in, in Phoenix, to see the Dodgers in Arizona play. And unfortunately, I got in a car accident along the way. Oh, my. A cement mixer, their front tire exploded beside me, ripped off the side paneling of my passenger side. Luckily, the driver did a really good job of keeping it steady so that it didn't fall over on top of my car. That would not have been a good drive out to USC. But it was in Odessa. Oh, my goodness. So I asked the officer, because well, I stopped, and you know, I was like, is Boomer Miles around? Is Booby Miles around? Is there any way I could stop and meet Booby Miles? If since this, I've stopped if already, this story here?
1: ends with you meeting Booby Miles. I'm gonna punch you.
0: Unfortunately, up. I did not. I was, I was, I was hoping. You know, never know if he's on the force or something these days. Oh uh, yeah, we can call him out. We have got nothing going on. It's like a Saturday or Sunday early morning. So, but no, it didn't happen. But I missed the Dodgers game, which was Hiroki Kuroda got hit in the face with a line drive. Um, there was something dramatic in every single game that I attended. So I just drove straight through into Los Angeles and went. My first experience coming to L.A. Because I didn't visit before I went to grad school at USC. I just showed up. So I just drove straight and met a friend at a bar. You know, classic L.A. story. Drive
1: across the country, go straight to a bar. That's a great story time, which is something we're probably going to add on this off season.
2: <laughs> yes. You have some stories, Chris, that you dropped on Twitter that people, people want to know.
1: They're coming. Um, I guess that wraps up the movie discussion, but before ever, before we end this, everyone has to drop one movie, uh, football movie quote from any of these movies. It's, it's pretty simple. I don't want your life.
0: Which Keeley doesn't get the reference because I've dropped it on this Family Feud podcast before and she was like, I don't know what you're talking about.
2: that happens with every quote. What is it from? <laughs> Firsty Blues. Oh, yeah.
1: Classic. Johnny Moxon, star quarterback. A pitch to Johnny, but I'm Johnny. Little Giants. Also, I could have just done the whole entire uh, Cletus. From Waterboy? No, 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 from uh, Rum of the Titans. You call this game fair, or I'm going to the papers. (laughs) You dig your own grave. Defense on me. We blitz all night.
2: Not another yard. (laughs) Not another yard.
1: Coach Boone, run it up. Rub the Tens is probably the most quotable movie on this
2: list. It's a yeah. great movie. But I have to stop it before the car accident. So I get sad.
0: Yeah, I get sad about the car. Chuck <laughs> oh, rattling. Wow. Such a beautiful
1: wow. Camaro. Personal foul on the quarterback. You kidding me, coach? I <laughs> don't want the stupid Hall of Fame anyway.
2: <laughs> well, once again, Chris, you make it hard for me to transition and wrap up this pod. But it's a burden I bear.
1: I do what I do. I do it for the fans.
2: All righty, that's going to wrap it up for another episode of the Family Feud Podcast. Thanks to everyone who sent in their questions. We appreciate you guys, and we appreciate you listening. That's Chris. That's Shotgun. I'm Keely. We'll be back next week.
1: Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller.